Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown, Detroit Lions, Marvin Jones. Stafford! Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back, and I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, just living the dream, living the dream. You are always living that dream, Grifka. And we are here today on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast to talk about our Lions. You know, we're going to recap this uh this another tough one that we that we had on Sunday, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but before we do that, you know, the people that have been listening to the Kool-Aid cast know that me and you get in a few dust-ups. We uh, have a few arguments here on the show. And without going too deep into it, me and you had another big dust-up Sunday right about uh, towards the end of this football game. Some things were said and um, pulling from some things we had said on the podcast about our approach for this team and what we're hoping for. And we got different views on things. So without going into that, Grifka. What I thought we'd do here at the beginning of the show was was have a little fun with something I like to call the Great Lions Debate. You down okay. for this? Yeah. Okay. Sure, uh, yeah. What I want to do is, like, in the past, I yell at you, you yell at me, next thing you know, it's an hour later, and the show should be over. So what I want to do is, like, I'm going to give us each two minutes. I'm going to um, give us two minutes each to talk about – I only got a couple topics here, so I'm going to – tell the topic and we're going to take one side or the other kind of like a debate format you got two minutes to say any takes facts anything you got on it i'm going to do the same and for the people out there i'm going to pipe in some fun music underneath that i think they'll uh, love and it'll be familiar to them so i think you can handle a little great lines debate grifka sure as long as we keep it like a couple minutes on each segment like you said, well, sometimes I gotta, you get I, off on tangents. I got a timer. I, I'm done with your tangents. I got a timer, so you're only getting two minutes, and then you're done. So you okay. ready for this first topic? Yep, let's go. All right, so the first topic, and this is sort of drawn off what me and you had either brought up or argued about in the past. So the first topic I wanted to hit was with the way our line season's going, with all the different variables that are uh, in the mix, we got win now versus draft picks, considering the draft, considering 2019. Now, I would say which side do you want to pick, Grifka, but I think this one's pretty obvious for both of us, don't you, if we have to pick one or the other? Sure. So I'm going to – We you widely express that you're a win now no matter what, and I express that I'm a um, – you know, look towards the future in the draft. So would you like to go first or second, Grifka? I'll go second. Okay. Yep. Think about what, where you want to go, uh, how you want to justify your stance, and that's going to give me two minutes here to talk about my stance on the Detroit Lions' future and draft picks. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. 
Now, Grifka, last week we talked all about our different views on this team now in the 2018 season and where we're headed. So I'm here to tell you, Grifka, that draft picks and considering the future, since we have nothing to play for, is super important. Now, I got a few numbers for you. So the Lions are looking like they're picking top five, top eight right now. I'm just looking at the sheet, and last year's number five overall pick, Bradley Chubb. And they, they paid him four years um, at a yearly salary of under five million bucks a season. I mean, you can get a defensive end, a skilled player, anybody for under five million a year when you consider these high draft picks. And as you always say, they're just prospects. Even at that number, when you're getting a premier athlete at the age and coming out of college, that's going to help your football team. He's under contract for four or five years. He's cheap, as you always say uh, with me. And uh, that's invaluable now in the NFL. So my main point with you was just if there's nothing to play for, like if we had playoffs on the line, you know, all this other stuff, I'd be zeroed in. But, like, on a game like we'll talk about with the Rams, they played solid football till the end. They came up a little short. They increased their pick, I want to say, by five or eight spots due to that loss. And you have to have faith that Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia know what they're building, need a little more time, and are going to be able to hit on these. So I want to make it clear to the Kool-Aid drinkers that it's not that I'm rooting for them to lose. It's not that I'm rooting for, um, you know, draft picks only. It's that we are at the point in the season where you have to sort of look to 2019. You have to consider that while also still rooting on your team. So that's where I'm at with draft picks, Chris. But I got three seconds left. That's all I got to say. I'm going to pitch it over to you here in a moment. Gather your thoughts, and then I'll hit the timer. So that's what I'm saying, draft picks heading into 2019. Two okay. minutes, just over two minutes, Grifka. What do you think okay. about that? Are you ready? Yep. All right. In three, two, one. So I'm in the win now. I always like to see my team win, no matter what the record is. When they were, you know, their own 16 year, of course, you want to see them win. I, I always want to see them as many, win as many games as possible, even if it's going to, you know, affect their draft status. So. You, in a prior show, you were talking about at least get some sort of momentum. Because right now, I mean, for all the people out there that are calling for Matt Pat's head, I mean, this is what, at least show some life, win something. And I'm not talking to say, okay, we went out to Arizona and beat Arizona. We went to Buffalo and beat Buffalo. You know, you win one of your last four games or whatever like that. But I, I just always want to see my team win. I just want to see them do well. I, I'm a fan. I, no matter what their win-loss record is, I, I want to see them win. And maybe with a few wins, yeah. We discussed the Rams game. You know, they beat the Rams, even though it's kind of meaningless and it hurts their draft stock. Yeah, they beat the Rams. They say they they came out and actually beat you know probably one of the you know top three teams in the league this year. I mean, so it's nice to see that win. I mean, so yeah, that means something to me. We've discussed beating Minnesota and Green Bay. You're right. It doesn't really help them this year. But what it does is like, yeah, we have confidence even going into next year that we can even beat these teams. For everybody that's for all, um, everybody that's like, oh no, they're so much better than us. We're the bottom of the barrel. It's like, hey, we were having a down year and we still beat them. We still, you know, we would sweep the Packers and we'd split with the Vikings. That's not a bad thing to do, even if it, even if you're bumped down, you know, four spots in the draft. I mean, like you said, you know, prospects are prospects till they do something. I say that all the time. You can get seconds. a good person, but you can 
get a good person at 5, you can get a good person at 8, you can get a good person at 15. That's evaluating talent and coaching. That has nothing to do with like, oh, you're not guaranteed a Pro Bowl or Hall of Famer, you know, you know just because you draft 5th and not 8th. And not so no, I want to see my team win as much as possible. No matter how it affects the draft, I'll take what they get. If they land at 5 or they land at 15, it doesn't matter to me. Go out and get the W's. Build some more momentum going into next year to show that you can play against big teams. That's why I feel. That's how I feel on that. All right, there you go. You heard it from Griffka. I gave you ten extra seconds so you could finish. But uh, I know that when I was talking, you're probably chomping at the bit to get after me. I really got a ton to say about what you said. But that's not what we're doing today. That's not the format. So that was a good uh, back and forth. We're trying this for the first time. So um, that was the first Great Lions debate, Griffka. Now the second one is. With the remainder of the season and full of games left, do you play your top guys, or if they're shaky or injured, do you err on the side of caution, shelf them, whatever it may be? What side do you want of that? Well, let's do this. Since uh, I took the uh, win now and you took the draft position, you would think that I would take the play the top guys now when you would take the shelf them for 2019. How yep. about we flip-flop it? I'll take the shelf them for 2019, and I'll give my point on this even okay. though it's, it kind of goes against what I feel right now, but just to show I can see your point of view and I can put a uh, cogent message out there. Okay, I love it. Uh, I think you're going to go first on this one as well. Yep, I will go first on this one. All right. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Cue the music. Here we go, Griffith. Three, two, one, go. So, so once again, the Lions really don't have anything to play for, so you're looking for draft status on this. So yeah, if you have guys hurt and dinged up, that they have a better chance of, you know, re-aggravating an injury or making the injury worse. Of course, I would set these guys and try to look at some of the younger guys on the team. I know there's not a whole lot of younger guys sitting out there in the lines who have some injuries, so they're kind of playing right now, so you already are seeing them. But maybe something like if you want to see Tracy Walker, if he's going to be the guy taking over for Glover Quinn, maybe Glover Quinn doesn't get nearly as many snaps in a game, and you put Tracy Walker out there to see what he can do on um with that now your offensive lineman there's really nobody young your young guys are already playing same with you know jared davis i'm in a linebacker you're already, you already have him in there but um i mean we know what snacks harrison can do you know, maybe a sean and um sean and get a few rep, reps with that you know um, you play mike ford in the corner at a cornerback and you kind of i mean they've obviously benched t's table but um maybe nevin lawson doesn't get nearly as many snaps or maybe if you want to see if T's Tabor you know you throw him out there to see exactly what he can do I mean it's a you know you give him hey this is your last chance you have nothing to play for go out there really show us what you can do you're going to get an awful lot of snaps and that way you don't have to worry about you know maybe Darius Slay getting injured or you know just to see what these young guys can do when you sit like those guys so once again you, you play all those young guys that you might think about this is going to be our future or this is your last chance. That's what that's what you do at this point in the season. All right. You got 30 seconds left. Are you good? Oh, I still got 30 seconds on that? Oh, gosh. 20 now. Well, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there's any really more young guys I really care to see on this team. I mean, you can play Mike Roberts a little more, but he already kind of plays what he plays. I don't, I don't know if you can really put him in the offense anymore than what they do. It seems like they don't throw to their tight ends with Jim Bob Cooter. So, you know, stick with the guys I talked about. All right. That was basically right. Two, two minutes, Grifka. So good work on finishing up there. So, um, all right. So I, I got, why should we play our top guys uh, the rest of the year? Cue my music. Here we go. 
Now, you're always talking wins, you're talking momentum. We're, we always want our Lions to win. We're fans, we're Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, there's no doubt about it. So when you're finishing out this year, these guys are NFL players. If your top guys are healthy and ready to rock and roll, you put these guys out there. And again, I've always said with injuries, I mean, there's a, a way to err on the side of caution, but you can get hurt today, tomorrow, yesterday, walking down the street, anything can happen. So you put these guys out there if they're healthy, you run your schemes, you run all the different things you can, and you see what you can get out of this team because there is something to be said about winning ball games, momentum, confidence, <clears throat> all these different things that a, that a team can get um, through the course of a season. Now, right now, where the Lions are, their, their confidence and, and things aren't that high. So, you know, if, if a Marvin, a carry-on, other players were out there, I think our offense would be humming a lot better. If they're not. If they are healthy, you put them back out there and you see if you can get those same type of results that we got kind of early to mid-year after we got off to that slow start and then started cooking a little bit. You see if you can get some of that back because if you do rip off a couple victories towards the end of the year, yeah, it might hurt your status a little bit, but it may help your overall team with feeling good about themselves and just knowing the fan base, the coach is getting it together, everything's coming together nicely, and as you said before, you can still hit on picks at some different positions, even though as you creep down the draft board, it's, it's a harder shot. So, you know, if carry-on's healthy, I say bring him back, feature him in the offense, see what he can do. You know, some of these other young wide receivers, see what they have. And then, you know, get the Tracy Walker and those type of guys out there that are healthy and ready to roll. Because I think playing your top guys, unless you can injure them worse, is going to be a good thing for this team in the long run. There we go, Grifka. That was the first ever Great Lions debate on Detroit Kool-Aid. Uh, we hope you guys, I know those are questions that are on everybody's minds. Me and Grifka thought we'd just do that. We wanted to give ourselves time constraints because we know we could talk about all those things all day long. But instead of our news and notes segment today, we gave you less than 10 minutes of a debate back and forth without any rebuttals, which maybe we'll work that in next time where we can get after each other for what we did say. But uh, Grifka, good work. That was cool. I think it's time to jump into this Rams game and tell the people what what we saw, what we thought happened. Okay, yeah, let's do that. So, Grifka, we talked about it last week. You know, we're, we've been coming off some bad losses. We got the Rams coming in town. We thought, oh my goodness, this is gonna be this is gonna be real rough. You know, this they're a great offense. We've been playing better on defense, but we knew our our offense was gonna be in rough shape with some injuries. And just, you know, JBC and some of the ways they've been calling this football game. And, uh, you know, I just want to hit some quick hits here in the beginning and then I'll let you respond. Like, I thought they stayed in it till it was late. I mean, I was real proud of how they played. You know, just like I've said, we even though we, we argued on our viewpoints, like, I mean, as this game's going along, of course, my juices are getting flowing. Like, hey, I still value the draft and still looking forward to future years, but... I wanted this W, so as the game's getting later and later, I'm like, hey, man, you might as well just beat this team since we're playing so well and uh, doing so good in our house. So I was proud of them for that. You know, the late mistakes were just uh, frustrating to see. I feel like we built ourselves up so much of fourth-quarter comebacks that now when we haven't done it, 
it's really showed just like remember the year when we ripped off all those fourth quarter comebacks everybody was so hype about that it's working the opposite now you know we're losing games late and it's just as worse if not uh hurts more to lose them late um so i thought it was a great effort by the team um they seem to also be playing hard, and I think this defense is sort of gelling together. You see them doing great against the run game. You see snacks flashing every game. You know, our corners are still a bit of a mess. Darius Slade didn't have a very good game. Your boy, um, this this ball game. And uh, Matt Stafford, man. I mean, late turnovers, not protecting the football. That's becoming way too common. And, uh, you know, it was just tough to see. So, you know, all those things being said, those are some quick hits that I got on the game. And I thought this was one we could win. We played over our heads, I think. We didn't win it. So, again, it did help our draft stock. But our quarterback, our offense, our offensive coordinator, and our, you know, our Fords and Nevin Lawsons of the world just did not play well enough to win. So that's what I'm thinking happened. What, what say you? I get the feeling that this team is one of those teams that plays towards their competition. And, um, and, uh, it seems like when they play against like the better teams, I mean, they had a great game plan against the Patriots early on. They had a great game plan against the Packers, you know, early on. I mean, who knew the Packers would be where they were at? Um, this is another one of those games. that seems like they really, you know, the team realized who they were and they really stepped it up and defensive wise, they, the game plan was really, really well, put together it really confused golf and um golf kind of looked out of sorts once again i don't know if it's part of that you know how you always uh joke with me uh how i say west coast team coming east for that one o'clock start or maybe uh maybe the rams just thought that they could just uh, strap the helmets on you know because they're the rams and the lions and the lions and they weren't taking them quite as seriously but um yeah, the way they played, they did They did look hungry. And I know after the game, your boy Ricky Jean was like he was tired of losing. And um, maybe that was part of it, that uh, no matter – he kind of realized that the team doesn't have the talent that some of the other teams have. And he's used to being on, you know, the Patriots winning team, stuff like that. So the way they uh, the way they played, um, yeah, I was pretty happy the way, they, the way they hung with them. Like you said, Slay, there was a couple plays where uh, Woods got the better of him. Um, and, uh, but still the defensive game plan was pretty happy with, I mean, generally those plan that defense in the past would allow the Lions to win the game, but I don't know, still the offense seems to be sputtering. I know they don't have, you know, carry on out there and Marvin wasn't out there, but still, I mean, that it just didn't look, you know, that great. Um, a lot of conservative play calls at certain points in the game. And I know. And uh, I know Chris Spielman at points was like saying, well, you know, that's the right call to make there. You know, that's the right call to make there. But at this point in the year, it doesn't matter. I mean, just, you know, third and, you know, 17 and you run a draw play or something like that just to kick the field goal. It's like, who cares? Just go for it. I mean, it's third and 17. Throw the ball up. I mean, I think that draw play only gained him like four yards anyways. I mean, you were still well within Prater's field goal range. So that's just, it's something that – the offensive game plan just, I think, really kept them down. And as for, like, Stafford's turnovers, I mean, I don't know. We talked about this before. I don't know if he's just trying to make plays or if he's just not, you know, with his wide receiver core out there as depleted as it is. He just doesn't have the uh, 
he doesn't have the chemistry that he had, like when he had Marvin and Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay, you know, all at the same time. So uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or if he's just trying to make extra plays or maybe it's that the other team knows Jim Bob Cooter's offense right now knows the tendency. So they can kind of go forward with that. Um, I, I don't know if Sue was actually getting booed or if they were actually saying Sue at, um, I know a lot of, you know, I know those the are, I know the announcer was like, oh, day. they're saying boo, they're saying boo. I'm like, I don't know. I, I'd still take Indomitian and Sue on this team. Oh, you know, man, get mean, out of here. Those I were boos, Kifka. He's, he's a chump. I hate, this guy's a bum. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You, you would pay a defensive tackle 15, 20 million bucks, wouldn't you? Well, uh, no, other teams do it, but they just have cheaper quarterbacks. We invested all this money in a quarterback that, you know, th- it seems like three quarters of the fans are looking to get, you know, look to trade him or cut him, even though that's not even close to cap responsible to be able to do that. So uh, Yeah, either is paying a defensive tackle. That's not uh, cap responsible either. I mean, this guy makes – I don't even have his numbers. He probably has three sacks on the year or something like that. These guys don't make big plays, man. I mean – I don't think we need to talk for 10 minutes about how annoying Dominican Sue is, but I mean, this guy's all about him. You know, he didn't want to be here. He wasn't going to take anything less than top dollar and you don't pay defensive tackles top dollar. Now you don't have to pay them like pennies, but you cannot pay big money to these guys. Even Aaron Donald, he absolutely was a nightmare in this game. He blew up the play every time, made Frank Ragnall and our whole line look like garbage. But he's overpaid a ton. So, like, I mean, this guy's great. He may be the defensive MVP, but he's an anomaly, and these guys yeah, don't make He's, he's overpaid like a ton right now cause, is because Jared Koff isn't paid a ton. I mean, right. that's why it's 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 no different than a few years ago. Everybody's like, well, look what Seattle's doing. Well, you know, Seattle had Russell Wilson on a rookie contract. So, yeah, they could pay all these other people and now look at them. I mean, they're still a decent team, but they're not nearly as good as they have, you know, as they were. It's going to happen to the Rams a few years, too, when Jared Goff needs to get paid. And it works right. the exact same way. So but the- you can you can pay the guy now. Like I said, though, we're just – we're overpaying a quarterback that everybody wants to get, not everybody, 90% of the fans seem to want to get rid of. So, yeah, our money's invested in him. Okay, so. but we're not overpaying because you pay a quarterback and hope that it works out and hope that he makes the plays he should make because he touches the ball every offensive play. You don't pay Indomitian Sue however much of a handful of years ago and then have no money left for your skill guys, your, your quarterback. I mean – it's just team building, but I mean, you love the guy just because he makes plays on the field. I was so happy left because he, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, the numbers he puts up and the impact he has on the game just isn't enough to justify the dollars and cents. I say it every show, but I say, let's not talk about that annoying idiot uh, anymore. Let's talk about this. Griffka, this defense has seemed to really turn it around since the beginning of the year. I mean, like I say, amazing stats against the run here we are against the rams they're chucking the ball deep every play it seemed like play action first second and third down just chucking it down the football field and we're hanging in there playing pretty decent ball like i mean what do you think about this defense and then like you know me already digging way deep into the drafts like i'm looking at this defense going man snacks quandre slay 
add Curlin Furl there in the top of the draft or, you know, some of these nasty edge rushers that'll be right there from five to 12 that you would love to have. That's right. We'll be, we'll be picking no doubt about it. And a guy like that and another corner. I mean, if we can get greedy Williams, if we really go up high. I mean, put him and slay together. That's going to be beautiful. So what do you think about this defense and especially imagining it with the, the pieces we already have and adding a few more that could really be impact guys? I, I, I don't know if, I mean, the defense of the run, the run defense has really turned it around. I don't know if it past defenses really improved any. I think it's once, you know, they got snacks and teams were realizing they couldn't run as much. It's like, okay, we're just going to pass more. And, and that's why they were, you know, that's why I think the past defense has been exposed a little more because I know early on in the year, me and you were talking about how, Oh, look how good the pass defense is. It's like, well, yeah, because they couldn't stop the run, so teams were running all day. And um, I think that's it's kind of flipped the you know the script now. It's like teams are having a difficult time run running against the lines with snacks in there. So it's like, okay, we'll just pass and we'll just target who's opposite of Slay. So I think that's what's happened here. But um, you're right. I mean, if you know somewhere between five and fifteen, you know, we do get. You know, like I said, Greedy Williams. I don't think there's another cornerback that I would take, like, at number five if Williams was gone earlier. You know, say we're sitting at eight. No. I don't know if there's another one. I mean, I, I – Greedy is going to have to be top five or seven and uh, – or else you Right. So, no, I'm saying if Greedy Williams is gone, I don't think I, I would – I don't yeah, think no, there's another no. cornerback in the draft that's like I would take that high at that point. I, I might no. be looking for some sort of some sort of type of edge rusher, even if – um. And if there's a good edge rusher there and and um, Greedy Williams is still there, I th- I still think I'm going to go for a cornerback is what is what I would do. So um, I know some people I've was it read things, was it like, was it polite or polite, that guy out of Florida? You know, I've read he could be a guy that, you know, where he kind of would slot in. But I don't know, I'm starting to get kind of hesitant on Florida defenders. No offense to the University of Florida Gators. But um I don't know about any Florida defenders if I if I'd want one of those guys right now, you know. Oh, get out of here, Griff. <laughs> See, that's that's again that, that's a Griffka mentality. Like Jared Davis and T's struggles have nothing to do with the next guy we take out of that school. Come on, don't yeah. don't don't do that. Don't do that. It's, <laughs> it's not about the school or the uh, the mojo. It's about the player, you know. And uh, Jared Davis is still going to be really. I mean, he's going to be a plus player in this league and already is in my opinion, but I know you've been hating on him. So, but let me, let me say this though, like without getting into a ton of draft talk, like I was thinking about the other day, like, again, we're focused on the defense right now. I mean, I'm just going through in my head, Sean hand, a Sean has stepped up. I think he has a place on this roster. Snacks has a place on this roster. I mean, a big piece right in the middle. Now, Grifka, you're going to hate this, but I haven't brought him up in a couple shows, but tell me that Ziggy isn't flashing on Sundays. I've always swore the guy you always hate on him. Has he not been flashing and getting in the backfield quite a bit? He's flashing because yes. he knows it's a pay year. I mean, that's... Okay, is he making plays for the Lions when he's out there? Yes or no? Here and there. I mean, oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's he, having... I wouldn't he's say... been good. What's that? He's been. He almost has a sack every game, and he's been. Ooh, the almost run the plays. Almost I've sack. seen him hustle. Show, once again, show me that column. The almost, the almost column. He he has a lot of almost Grifka. in him. 
will you listen to me? I said almost a sack a game, not a bunch of almost sacks. He has like five sacks. He's played in, what, six games, something like that. I bet you are the numbers if I looked them up. So he's been flashing. Now, I don't think he comes back to Detroit, but I'm leaning of like, hey, man, for some reason, if this guy was to give you a, a good deal, you, you might consider it because there's not going to be many big old defensive ends in the market. And uh, But if you let him go, like I like what I've seen from Aquara. Darius Slay is your guy. He's been good. Like he hasn't had as many turnovers, many big plays as he likes his nickname this year as he did previously. So that's hurt him. And then, you know, what do we have in um, you know, we have a good piece in Diggs. So I mean, there's like a handful of pieces I just named off on a defense. So let's say you get two other good pieces in the draft and some other depth and whatnot, like you're filling out that defense pretty well. So I think it's exciting to think about, even though, like you just said, the run defense getting better is because we have nobody in our back end or not in our back end in the corner. So they've just been picking on them. Um, beginning of the year, I think it was more like not knowing the system and whatnot is why people were creasing us in the run game. And we had no uh, Snacks Harrison in the middle. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to look forward to in the defense. And before we move on to the next topic, like – Matt Pat with a laminated play sheet in his hand being more in tuned on that side of the ball other than your boy Mother Goose with his glasses uh, hanging down past his nose has really made a difference, I think, because Matt Pat's called defenses for, what, a decade or more and played in huge football games. So I want him calling our plays, you know, or telling the guy that is calling the plays basically what he's looking for because I think that's made a big difference. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with you on there. I think Matt Pat is a, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think he's given a little more input. I don't know if he was, uh, you know, early on, he was giving him, you know, Paul Pascaloni the, you know, just said, you know, just gave him the keys of the car and said you run it. And um, after seeing this, I don't know if that's uh, Matt Pat realizing like he needs my help, or if that came from higher up saying, hey, we, we know he's your mentor and we know he gave you a first job, but. Hey, look at this defense. You're supposed to be a defensive whiz, and you guys are just getting marched up and down the field on. So, um, I think it's it's definitely helped with um, him, you know, maybe taking a little more input. Once again, we're not there to see all the behind the scenes stuff, but I think he is. Uh, you know, I think you know he's the he's the drivers the drivers training coach who has the uh, emergency brake hooked up on his side of the car and. You know, so it's just like if he doesn't like where it's going, he can uh, pump the brakes and say, hey, hey, let's do this instead. But my thing is you don't have to be behind the scenes because I know for the first handful of weeks he had no play sheet. He's just sitting there in the garbage bag, uh, pullover hoodie, and uh, whatever else he had on, just sitting there with a weird look on his face. So he's definitely more in tune now. So, um, Griff, before we get into this next topic, I know we got – you know, every week we keep growing, keep getting new listeners, all this stuff. So when you hear this bell in the background, anybody that's new and listening, that's the Grifka bell. And that bell indicates that Grifka has said one of his classic phrases or what he likes to do is, is agree with me. He likes to reference things from previous podcasts and say all types of other uh, funny gimmicks that we like to highlight here on the show. So when he hits one of those, I like to hit the bell. So everybody gets a kick out of that, that uh, gets all of our phrases down. So, we caught the people up, Grifka. We've, we've had some fun today. Let's talk about one more thing before we get to some questions and finish this one out. So the Lions, for years, and a bunch on this podcast, I've always said, 
why don't we ever get creative offensively? Like we we see all these other teams with not only fancy plays, but real aggressive, you know, all over the field, fourth down, middle of the field, back in their end, all this stuff. You know, early in the season, late in the season, we don't ever do anything that that is exciting or that's outside the box. Yet it seems like once the season's over, we got nothing to play for, really. We start pulling all these rabbits out of our hat that, hey, where was that, you know, in that, that close game in Dallas that would have helped us, you know? Uh, we never see it, but here we don't have much on the line, so we pull out this trick play to Taylor Decker for a touchdown. Like, why can't we be more creative all the time? And again, how many times do I have to say it where – we went a whole nother football game, Grifka, without throwing the ball. I swear our farthest pass was maybe 20 to 25 yards, if that, in the air. We didn't throw the ball deep once. I mean, these other teams are throwing the ball 50, 60-yard touchdowns. We don't even attempt it, let alone connect. I mean, this is holding our offense back. It's got to change. I don't know the coordinator or what, but why have a strong arm Matt Stafford and throw five-yard dinks all day? I mean, it's just – super annoying like talk to me about offensive creativity and why we never chuck the ball deep i just think they have these coordinators that you know for lack of a term i guess they value the football and they're they're afraid of turnovers where you know things like that where like you said they just chuck the ball deep i mean what jared goff got picked off but you know it's it's a was it uh the uh the percentage-wise of it being a, a positive play aren't very high. They're a low-percentage play. So maybe they think, you know, just, you know, the check-down Charlies, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, less chance of them throwing an interception. We keep the ball. We can kind of keep, you know, grinding the clock oh, grinding the clock away, keeping the other team off the field. But it's been that way for, like you said, it's been that way for a long time, though. And I don't know if it's the head – I don't know if it's the head coach putting the handcuffs on the offense coordinator, if that's just like – or if that's just the offense coordinator and the head coach agreeing with it. And like you said, it's just like they get to the point where, you know, the point in the year is just like, you know, okay, now we can open the playbook when there's really nothing left to, nothing left to play for. So I, I don't know. It just seems it's been that way for a while, but I think it's just come down to where I think it's the head coach pretty much telling the offense coordinator, it's like, you know, we value the football. We'll just, we'll just, uh, you know, slowly grind the game down and, you know, just, you know, work our way down the field with all these big chunk plays. And I, I, I feel that's what it is because they fear Stafford throwing picks to turn it over or whatever quarterback we've had. We've had less talented quarterbacks that could really throw the ball far or just less talented quarterbacks who with accuracy too. So the shorter passes are higher percentage completion. So that's just kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's it's just crazy. Like, when you chuck the ball deep, there's two good things that can happen and one bad thing. Like, it's either complete or a penalty, which are good no matter what. And the only bad thing is if it's picked, which, you know, these are these are hard balls to pick off. If you're running plays, you're getting single coverage, and you're throwing the ball deep. I mean, put pressure on these other teams and make them cover. I mean, it's much harder to cover a guy flying down the left sideline as fast as he can than, you know, a seven-yard uh, slant route. So they really got to get more creative. They really got to open it up. And I think that's what gets Stafford going, too, are bigger plays. I mean, he's just going through the motions, throwing these little crossing routes all day. I mean, those have a place in your offense, but they can't be they can't be your whole offense, especially 
especially when we're sputtering the way we are. I mean, you're telling me Kenny Galladay can't run deep and you throw him an actual catchable jump ball. And we haven't seen that since, uh, gosh, what game was it? Was that, that was the green Bay game. Remember when he kind of threw him a 50, 50 and he went up and got it and went for like 70 yards. Yep. Like I haven't seen one since that was like, uh, kind of a go get it, you know, that was deeper than, you know, what does he get? Normally he gets kind of like those 17 yard balls or 15 yard catch here or there. Yeah, that, but, that middle, I mean, that, uh, middle, you know, depth route. It seems like what he gets. Yeah. It's got to go farther, and there's a way to scheme up single coverage. I mean, you know, run three guys to one side like you're going to throw a bubble and then run your big fella on the other side and chuck it up to him. So, I mean, we could we could talk about it all day, but I just get so bored watching this offense. And I'm basically putting it both on the coordinator and I'm putting it on Matt Stafford. Like, you know, I'm not behind the scenes, but when he came in the league, he had a good wonder lick. He had big arm. You know, he said all the right things, but, like, I'm starting to wonder, like, can he process, like, some of these other guys? Because these other offenses are running crazy schemes. They're finding the open guy all over the field. I mean, it can't always be the play call or your personnel. It has to be, are you finding the open guy? Are you throwing people open? And uh, he's got to be able, especially if we get a new coordinator that's, like, cutting edge, top of the line. I mean, I don't want to see him moping around saying, like, oh, I miss Jim Bob. It's like – Need to step up and like really take hold of an offense and and run it himself. Like, be the leader out there. If they call in a terrible play, I mean, change it. You know, uh, go to something every once in a while that'd be better. I mean, again, we don't know everything that's happening, but that's what I'm seeing out there. So, <sighs> we could talk about it all day. But Grifka, another tough loss against uh, the Rams. I mean, you thought I was rooting for draft pick, but I wanted this W. Once it all said and done, and I'm proud they didn't get whooped and blown out because I was scared that we were going to be talking on the show about 45-10, 35-15 like we predicted, and uh, they really hung in there. So something to be proud about, maybe something to build on, but a loss is a loss, no doubt about it. Yeah. Sad. So we're, we're looking for that uh, victory podcast. Uh, hopefully it's coming up here uh, next week, same time, we'll be able to do that. You ready for some questions, Grifka? Yeah, we got a few. Cool. Got a few questions here. So this first question, Griff, comes from Slim in Detroit. Slim wants to know, hey, Griffco, what kind of hair product do you think Sean McVay uses? This is right up your alley. Right? <laughs> hair product? I don't know. I, I don't know if he uses mousse anymore. I remember that stuff in the 80s, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is now. Gosh, I don't use anything on my hair. I wash it and I <laughs> let it air dry, so I couldn't tell you. Griffco. Since you brought the 80s, give the people a few uh, either 80s Lions or a few of your favorites from the 80s in the NFL. So 80s Lions? Here, I'll give you some 80s Rams. We'll go with uh, one of my favorites, Eric Dickerson, and who can't remember, you know, Flipper Anderson and Henry Ellard and Jim Everett and, uh, you know, those guys like that. You know, so, uh, sorry, I don't I don't think the Rams really had any defensive players in, uh, you know, in the 80s. I remember that team was all offense, so uh, <laughs> that's what I remember. Where this Rams knowledge comes, you posted out some Rams last week. It's like, come on, Griska, this is Detroit Kool Aid cast. But if I had to pick uh, Sean McVay's uh, hair gel, you know he's using like some of those Axe products, like the kids use, trying to be cool, like the extra, the extra sticky spike uh, Axe product that makes him look like he's 15 or whatever. So, um, you know that guy's great at offense, but uh, I mean we probably love him as our coach, but he's got a. Something odd going on there with the spike dew that he's got. So, next question, Griffith, comes from Joe in Hockey Town. 
Joe uh, writes, who would win in a street fight? Grifka's boy, Dave Burkett, or a paper bag? <laughs> I don't know. I can really see a paper bag putting up a good fight on Dave Burkett. <laughs> I mean, especially what do you mean? This is your guy. You love him, don't you? Think he would just beat the tar out of anybody? Well, I, I know he guy. puts out some really good quotes and everything for you that you just love to quote, you know, on here. You know, because you follow him on Twitter and you're all like, "Dave Burkett, you're so great." You know, all you do is quote Dave Burkett, but then all you do is rip on. It. It's like Dude, once again, stop following him on Twitter if you don't like him. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of other people I, out I... there that you'd rather listen to Justin Rogers or whatever. I don't care. Do, do I say that, Grifka, or do I say, why does he have a picture of his uh, kids on there? Nobody, no but one yeah, cares. you always and, like, uh, Dave Burkett on Twitter said, it's just like, once again, if you're, you know, if you're all mad at him, stop following them. <laughs> okay, we're getting on a 20-minute tangent, because that's because he says the dumbest crap, or I listen to the presser every day, and he's the he's the jabron that asks the question that nobody else asks for a reason, and he thinks he's being a, a tough guy, like on this question from Joe by asking the coach, uh, Hey, uh, are you giving up on the season or are you still trying? It's just like, shut up, Dave Burkett. Like, get out of here. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, next question, Grifka, comes from Mike. And Mike uh, is formerly from Green Bay. Um, he writes, JBC hasn't been getting it done. Do you need a change at offensive coordinator? Um, yes, Mike. Uh, I think we do need to change our offensive coordinators, but uh, there's no way in hell I want that guy. I mean, <laughs> who's that? Mike. McCarthy. Oh, Mike from Green Bay. I mean, Bay. I know, I know people or like Blue. him and stuff like that, but oh my gosh, that guy drives me freaking bats. I mean, he oh, would. Yeah. I don't know. He'd, he'd he'd be the offense coordinator, and he'd still want to go to his, uh, you know, press conference crying and eating his chicken wings like he always did up in Green Bay. So, <laughs> you know, so yes, we do need an offense coordinator, just not him. Well, I think it's a coincidence, Grifka, that Mike from formerly from Green Bay wrote in uh, about our offensive coordinator. But I agree with you; we need to change. Uh, the other Mike from Green Bay, Mike McCarthy, yeah, I definitely don't want him. And uh, but they gotta they gotta find somebody that can be progressive and get along with Stafford. You know, can kind of make all this work. So I don't know who that is right now, but uh, definitely need it. Last question, Grifka, comes from Tom. And for some reason, Tom spells his name with an H. Have you ever seen T-H-O-M? Tom. Tom. Yes, Tom. Tom is from the booth. And he writes, better deep ball, Stafford or Taylor Decker? Yeah. Let's see if Taylor Decker throws the ball like JT Bear and every other crappy Ohio State quarterback. So uh, I'll go with Stafford. <laughs> what, what do you mean, Griffin? The whole week, if we lost the game to the Rams, another loss, our season's down the tubes. And all I had to see in interviews and articles is how Taylor Decker's so sad that he threw the ball up in the stands, that he scored his one touchdown of his whole life. It's like, well, then don't throw in the stands. Jabron, I mean, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, he it probably was a decent spiral, but I mean, think, that's on you, buddy. You think it was one of those things? Like as it left, as he left his hand, he's like, no. And he just <laughs> I remember watching it. And I'm just like, I saw him score, which again, you never see the big fellow get in. And when he checked it, I go, I go, what are you doing that for? Like, don't you want that football? Like, I didn't even know that he'd probably uh-huh. never done it ever. And uh, 
you know, I thought he'd be an offensive lineman and not give a crap, but he's doing all these interviews he's all over social media. Oh, I hope I get the ball back. You know, it's just oh, yeah. like, whatever. Well, bro. He's, but, he's, uh, obviously, he's obviously not a Mensa member. He did go to Ohio state. So yeah, exactly. And then, uh, Stafford called him out like in the, uh, press conference saying, uh, that he, um, copied him or whatever because Stafford's that ball up in the upper deck I mean I don't think I don't think Decker's got to the upper deck uh second deck uh <laughs> I think that uh it could just got in the first uh, 15 rows or whatever there so like I said I'm taking Stafford as well Taylor Decker we gotta use that brain of yours keep that ball in your in your hand so you don't have to campaign for a week and who cares about a football you're an offensive lineman just go grow a beard and go hit people that's all we need you to do so uh thank you tahom good question um so that's all we got grifka we broke the game down we did the great lions debate first time ever see if people get a kick out of that um you know another tough loss for our team how about we come back friday we'll talk about arizona this and the next game are two that people had circled as w's you know, you just never know in the NFL. We'll see what happens. And uh, we sure are hoping that we can drink some of that Honolulu blue Kool-Aid and, and play good football and, and see some of our guys come back and, like, actually, uh, you know, play uh, play good on Sundays, man. We just never know. So we'll come back and preview it and uh, talk about all types of other stuff. Sound like a plan? It sounds like a plan. All right. Well, for me, for Grifka, and for the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, uh, we're going to get up out of here. But we thank everybody for listening. Check us out. Share with a friend. We're on all types of uh, podcast platforms. And uh, we'll be back at you guys on Friday morning for the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. We're out. Pack the bag. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.